Dealer Fury. were parking guests were parking and my wedding was about to start dogs were barking monkeys clapping then i got up on table and i said i meet you you are listening to the pittsburgh steeler show on the steelerfury.com podcast i am your host brad chadaben aka accidental zen when you're on twitter and AKA Will Massasak when something bad is going on or the IRS is on the phone. Uh, with me, hopefully not with the IRS, but somewhere in uh, blanketed by snow in Erie, Pennsylvania, is the always affable Steel Perch. How are you, sir? Nothing quite as good as beating Goff. <laughs> yeah, you know. I kind of, I, I just want to know: Do you write these things down as they come to you, and then you just like save them up for when the podcast is coming? Is that what happens? You'll never, you'll never know. That's beautiful, man. Beating cough. Oh my god. Um, uh, also with us somewhere in the south, where it's not snowing overnight, uh, is the always curmudgeonly FC. He's with us. How are you, sir? I suggest Perch has some dick insider. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's been getting his news and jokes from Barry McCockiner. Yeah. <laughs> you threw me for a loop there, Perch. You almost derailed the entire show. Um, <laughs> just for that, I'm going to throw it to you. Hey, I was uh, talking football. You guys get your mind somewhere else. <laughs> you know, you Listen, man. too much time getting Speak- golf this weekend. And- <laughs> <laughs> speeding, speaking of uh, beating golf, uh, that was about the most satisfying uh, defensive game in a long time, man. Been saying for a long time that, you know, what I thought the sort of the issues with Jared Goff were and why I was never really able to buy into his, uh, you know, future stardom. I think you saw it sort of all on display and you added to that, you know, the Minka Pitts-Fatrick factor. You know, how good was the defense on Sunday, Urchin? Yeah, that was like... I would say the secondary performance. I'm trying to go back in my way back memory here. I can't remember the Steelers secondary playing that well in a game in any any recent memory at all. You know they had 13 pass breakups in that game. 13. Yeah. That's not Goff getting flustered and throwing the ball out of bounds. That's our guys breaking on the ball and you know it, it just. <laughs> They they were able to uh, to to read what what those guys were doing, and you know, to me, the biggest factor with Minka, aside from all the uh, the forced turnovers he's had, and a lot of those were, you know, off hit passes that kind of landed to where he was. But the reason that they're getting those, the cornerbacks have faith that he'll be in the right position, which is allowing them to gamble to try and get their hands on a ball, and if they tip it or if it dips off the, the wide receiver. He's in the right place. And if they whiff, they know he's in the right place to make the tackle. So just that amount of confidence, knowing that they have a professional. We don't have all those we talked about last week before this. We don't have all those miscommunications in the secondary where some guy is running 
with nobody within 20 yards of him, and the two defensive backs are looking at each other and pointing anymore. You know, this guy who didn't spend any of preseason or training camp with the team steps in, and all of that is eliminated. I mean, that was recent, too. It was early in this season that was happening. All of last season that was happening. And uh, yeah, just kind of watching, you know, how much the, that secondary has improved uh, over really just a, a couple of free agent signings and uh, in, in, in that trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. And that was the key, you know, having Dupree actually turn into a competent NFL pass rusher this year and TJ Watt taking a big step to being, you know, a legitimate perennial Pro Bowl sort of edge rusher now. You have that, and then you have the back end. Uh, <laughs> that was amazing, and then I, I probably need to mention Mark Barron, which found a way to piss me off again this week because um, he played really well and he tried. He tried hard. You know, it's like, hey, I'm playing my former team, guys. I'm going to go out and make about 13 consecutive, 13 uh, solo tackles in this game, <laughs> all by myself. And uh, uh, you know, he just his effort was there from the beginning to the to the finish. I think he played in something like 80 or 90% of the snaps. He played way more than Bush did. Um, he played way more than Vince Williams did. He was the main inside linebacker, and he played really well. So, you know, to me, it just shows that uh, <laughs> I think he came to Pittsburgh thought it would be a, you know, a nice stop for him, another chance to get back to the Super Bowl. Ben goes down. He thought the season was over, and he was kind of coasting. And uh, now that <laughs> now it looks like they're good again, he's he's starting to pick it back up. But yeah, it was amazing, amazing secondary performance, the best I can remember in a really long time. Yeah, FC. I mean that you know, they're they had an abnormal number of pass deflections yesterday, like a crazy number for one game, uh, especially against a quarterback that you know most people would agree is at least in the top half of the league. Um, but I, I, I mean, this is not really that new since Mika Fitzpatrick's been there. They're averaging six passes defense a game. I'm not sure they had six in a game all of last year. I don't know. What, what's your takeaway? I agree with everything Perch said. I agree with everything you just said. I'm not going to discuss Mika Fitzpatrick or Mark Parent, who are two players I planned on discussing. <laughs> Joe Hayden had uh, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, beautiful interceptions um, on two of them. Directly come from Joe Hayden tip, tip balls, pass defense. Um, I agree with Perch about the free agent signings. Um, how many corners would have whiffed and missed that tackle on Gerald Everett that Stephen Nelson makes early in the fourth quarter, forces a punt? Humongous play. Yep. The Rams expect Gerald Everett to, you know, run through Stephen Nelson, Stephen Nelson to miss that tackle. Perfect form tackle, held the receiver to two-yard gain, Rams send on Hecker to punt. Um, Cameron Hayward played his best game this season far and away. I think the field conditions, as it gets later up up north and the fields get a little bit nastier, I think that really plays into Joe Hayden's hands. I'm not saying Joe Hayden's slow, but he's not as fast as he once was, and he wasn't the fastest guy to start off. But he has great instincts. He's a very good football player. He, he really came on late last season as well. The field conditions might be horseshit. He had a great game against the Saints in the Dome in New Orleans last year. So, But uh, I agree. Everybody on the same page. Make it Fitzpatrick. I lied. I'm going to talk about him. He seems that uh, he just brings a faith to the defense. And uh, Javon Hargrave also played a fantastic game. Tyson Alou-Alou was very good. Um, it was a team effort. And... Uh, our defense is fucking nasty. Can you imagine if we saw two at healthy? Aye, aye, aye. 
Yeah, I mean, that's worth noting. It's that, you know, the guys, despite the guys who are missing, um, I don't know. It just feels like it's, it's, a, it's amazing how much a playmaker, you know, you have a lot of solid guys. You get a playmaker or two added to the mix of really solid guys. It could, it could be a big jump in, in performance. And I think we're seeing that with, with not only, uh, you know, with not only Minko, but it feels like some of the younger guys are really coming into their own. TJ Watt right now is playing at uh, an exceedingly high level of football for an edge rusher. And, uh, yeah, you, know, you just add that to the mix of, like I said, a lot of solid guys. Um, Cam, Sutton. You know, Cam Sutton is another one that you know. I just I can't get over the difference in what guys in the secondary look like with a great Stephen safety Nelson behind them too. I mean, I, yeah. I really like a couple of us. We really like Stephen Nelson in college. He got targeted a lot at Kansas City. Played pretty well. It wasn't great. I thought he'd be a good solid number two, but he's been outsta- outstanding since yep. he's been here. And I don't think we we never talk about him or Cam Sutton, because they really don't get thrown at that much. But let me throw one more thing back on Minka, too. I mean, the, the scouting report on him when he came out was like, you know, hey, he's a great player. He's probably the best defensive back in the draft, but he's a better teammate and a better person. Like, he's a great guy. Somebody you want in your locker room. I think that's, that's shown throughout his career. This guy requested to leave Miami. Like, how many <laughs> like, don't, they, right? They, they don't stack up together. And I, I saw a stat today. I, I can't remember where it was, or I'd, I'd give credit for it. But, um, the Steelers were using it. the big reason that he complained about Miami is because I was being used. He was playing inside linebacker. He was playing slot corner. He was playing deep safety. He was playing strut. They moved him all over the place. In Pittsburgh, he's playing eighty-five percent of his snaps deep safety. He's got one job, one responsibility, and he's really, really good at. It. He's elite at it, right? In Miami, they played him twenty-two percent of the snaps at deep safety. They had him everywhere else. And and he, he really didn't care for it. I mean, if it wasn't for Miami's incompetence, <laughs> we wouldn't have got a really, really good player who I think is going to be, you know, if you look at, you know, him and TJ Watt uh, and, and Devin Bush are t- the three really young guys. Uh, that could be, you know, on three different levels of defense, that can be the core of this defense for the next eight or 10 years. So uh, just still amazed that, that uh, they were able to pick him up. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, it's like I said, it just makes, it appears that it makes everybody around him be able to play, play better football than they've been playing in recent years. And you got to think of some of that is confusion. Some of that is just plain having a guy who has your back that, you know, you can trust to be where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there, you know, which if you play past defense, especially or run defense for that matter, and you know, gaps, um, you know, those are, those are two things where you really need to depend on your teammates. Um, to, to be where they're supposed to be because it really all works together. Um, I was going to add a couple of things to me, Perch. Uh, you know, the best, I'll give you the best uh, thing I have to say about the defense from this week and the worst thing I'll give to UFC. The best thing, Perch, is, was third downs. These, basically, this, this team on both sides of the football played better on third downs yesterday, which was probably the key to the game in a close game. But particularly, listen to this, this stat line for the opponent on third, uh, third and fourth downs against the Steelers yesterday, seven of 14 pass attempts for 98 yards. Uh, I'm sorry, excuse me. Four of 10 pass attempts for 47 yards, one first down, two sacks, uh, sack fumble return for a touchdown and an interception. Four of 10, 47 yards, one first down. <laughs> I mean, that's like, we were, you know, we were, how many? How long ago? How recently were we talking about the Steelers' defense not being able to get off the field on third down? Feels like that was a week two this year that we were all lamenting that the Steelers can't get off the field on third down, and now 
they're like they're dominating a team on third down, and it's been that way. Well, I mean, even you know, yeah, since another, Baltimore. Another one to throw out there was they had fifteen drives on offense. The Rams did. They got three points, three points and fifteen drives for a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's pretty good. FC. The worst thing that I saw, though, you know, especially with all with Mark Barron spending all that time as the main linebacker, uh, is the Steelers' run gap fits. And, you know, it just lead me to believe that they're not, you know, particularly when Barron and Bush are in the game, that they're not uh, really ready for prime time as far as run stopping. You know, this game was a bit of an outlier because they stopped to run enough and the Rams passed enough and had no success with it that it kind of sort of got them in a hole uh, where they didn't feel like they could be patient and run the football. But, I don't know, it seemed to me that, that Mark Barron made – a ton of, uh, you know, floated into the blockers instead of being aggressive to attack, attack the hole. Devin Bush was fooled by a lot of that eye candy stuff that the Rams did. And I guess mm-hmm. the question I have for you is, this is something that you keyed on those two or perhaps somebody else and, and think about it going forward, especially to Thursday, which as we start to think about what's going to happen with Nick Chubb. Oh, it's going to be Nick Chubb. And uh, I expect Hunt. I expect that uh, Cleveland at home, Thursday, short week. Um, as much as they want to get Baker and Landry and Odell Beckham going, I think that they think their best path to victory is to attempt to run the ball. I mean, you see what's pass rush, and we've sat here and we spoke for the first 15 minutes about the pass defense. So, yeah, it's my biggest concern. And, uh, you know, they're going to be tested. Um, the Rams were three wide receivers. They were multiple most of the game. In my opinion, I, I mean, Tigby and Ever played together some, but not a ton. And I think the Cleveland's, you know, formation and personnel groupings is going to determine the Steelers inside linebackers. And if you want to show, you know, pro style offense, you're going to get Vince Williams. And Vince Williams is a different cat than Barron or Bush or against the run. And, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be nut check time. You know, it's, we're going to have the, little journey through Ohio here. And, you know, <laughs> if, if, if the Steelers take care of business, you know, right now we're the sixth seed. How funny is that? The playoffs are today. We are the sixth seed. So that, that is unbelievable when you consider how left for dead they were at the beginning of the year. It really does. Sure. And, I mean, as good as we looked against the Rams, the Cleveland Browns are going to be a completely different animal that uh, we're going to have to figure a way to tame. Yeah. Well, um, now that we've talked about all that fun stuff with the defense, uh, let's talk about the offense for a second uh, because that was un- it was uneven, but it was like one of those games where, you know, kind of like considering the circumstances, they made just enough plays, just enough plays uh, to hang on and win the game. Um, Perch, I-, I felt like I saw some improvement in areas that I wanted to see from Mason Rudolph. It's not a complete transformation or anything. Like some people were trying to paint it, but it felt like at least he, he drove some throws in the seams and in cutting routes and, and, you know, he didn't look as uh, committed to dump off football. And I felt that that was a, you know, necessary ingredient in getting the win. How did you see what the Steelers offense and Mason Rudolph did uh, this week? Yeah. I mean, I agree that one thing I'll throw in the defense first, I mean, before I move into the offense uh, on the run game, I didn't uh, talk about, but 
we were in nickel and dime the whole game. <laughs> I mean, the handful of, of big runs that Gurley ripped off were against, you know, two man fronts and, and we were just outmatched. It wasn't like we were lining up in our, you know, our base three, four, and they were just gashing us. So I wasn't as concerned about that. It almost was like the Steelers were daring those guys to run and, and they just wouldn't take the bait and kept throwing the ball. But yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the major, major concern, I, I'm sure we all have, the same thing Mike Tomlin said after the game, the ball security's been fucking awful for a long stretch now. Yeah. And it's everybody. And, and you know, the one guy I praise, and says, you know, every time they throw this guy a ball, he, he catches it and he secures it. Nick Bennett, now he had uh, a couple, a drop in that game. And, um, you know, both tight ends either had a drop or a fumble. And, and pretty much all the receivers have found James Washington has been playing really well the last few weeks. And it looks like his confidence is getting to the point where, you know, he remembers that he's a good player <laughs> and, and, and he's got some tools in the bag and is starting to make some plays. But, you know, shitty ball security. Yep. Um, you know, what, what did Tom and make him do? Car- uh, James Conner carrying around a wet ball all week or whatever the hell stupid shit they did. It's, uh, I, I can't quite explain what the hell the problem because it, it's a lot. Some of the guys had pretty good ball security like Juju. And then the last, the end of last year and into this year, he's had some issues. And Deontay, I think that was probably some of his college tape too. And even in training camp with the punt returns, he had some issues securing the ball, but that's an issue. Um, that that Pouncey, I don't know what the hell's going on with his long snaps this year. His his uh, shotgun snaps. He's had a couple of games where they were really bad. That was a shitty way to start a game. And I think Mason Rudolph in the last two weeks has taken more safeties than Ben did in his entire career. So, I mean, his play clock in his head when he's down in his own goal line, it's pretty bad. <laughs> you know, you got to yeah. realize, you know, it's, when your feet hit the end zone, get the ball out. You know, if, if the if the read isn't there, chuck the damn thing out of out of uh, out of bounds or whatever you got to do. But yeah, I agree. I mean, Rudolph, I thought his ball placement was better. It still wasn't great. It still wasn't perfect. Uh, his receivers didn't help him in some instances where they dropped some some catchable plays. And the run game is still a major issue. Um, but, you know, it's hard to run when Aaron Donald's four yards in the backfield. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and the guys playing next to him are no slouches either against a run. Um, FC, I was going to say to that end, that the, what did you think of the line shuffle? I, f- I felt like, you know, when when Filer had a chance to, you know, stand and be planted and, uh, you know, basically uh, hunker down, that he did pretty well, even even holding off Aaron Donald a little bit. But it was when he got on the move, he was really – it was ugly, like, let's get him back to tackle. Um, but I'm wondering what you saw with the O-line shuffle. After watching Earl Aaron Donald play in this league for a little while, I think uh, Feeler did a really <laughs> good job at left guard. Uh, that's the first thing we'll take, but we'll get to the other thing. What did the Steelers think of PJ Finney? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. He, I, 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 I've heard people compare. Say he, his last four or five starts are brutal. I mean, bad. And that uh, that anybody that thinks that Finney might be the answer for Pouncey or anything like that. Eh-eh. I think that this will be his last year in Pittsburgh for the $4 million backup. Uh, nothing against Finney. Uh, the things I took for the, from the game, um, I don't know if I was more impressed with Matt Sealer's play at left guard or Chuck's play at, at right tackle. Now, everyone's going to say, well, we didn't run the ball real well, and uh, they both gave up sacks at critical times, and that would be true. 
Um, Aaron Donald had a sack. He absolutely destroyed Mason Rudolph on another play. And Chucks gave up uh, a sack or maybe a sack and a half to Clay Matthews Jr. Um, Near player got help for the most part. They chipped with the net at times with, with Chucks, but it wasn't where we had a sidecar in there for him. And he held his own. Um, my main thing that I came away from this game with is when they set their mind to it, um, the Sears offensive line is good. They're not great. Um, Ramon Foster is a key piece uh, to the Steelers' run game. Um, the one thing I did like is the Steelers actually pulled Filer and, uh, on some leads to the right where Ramon Foster really doesn't have the mobility to get to the outside zone or, you know, lead an off tackle or a par. And the Steelers showed a counter, which if uh, our boy from Oregon, James, doesn't trip over Pouncey's feet, I think might go for 45 to 55 yards. And yep. we have a different feel about the run game. Um, the Steelers' run game, the biggest problem is they don't have any one that's explosive. You know, Connor is more explosive, definitely more explosive than Samuels. Samuels is definitely has a bigger toolbox, even including pass pro, where Samuels was poor last season, and he just, just shudders people. Now, if you, if you blitz a defensive backer, an undersized outside linebacker, he just thumps them, uh, which is a, is a good thing. Um, my main takeaway from the Steelers' offense is I think that we have three young wide receivers that can play in this league. And I don't know if we have a true number one, and in going into this draft, if we can somehow in the second round get a player and wide receivers drop in the second round all the time, Michael Thomas, Juju, that are really good. Um, or even luck into someone like Tyreek Hill in the fourth round. Um, I think our wide receiver core could be really good for whoever's playing quarterback next year. Yeah, it seems like they're the progress that all of the young players are making and and the players are not quite as young but who are still on the development train. Um a lot of lot of progress this year it feels like and maybe it's because they felt like they had to everybody everybody was challenged to step up without Ben. So maybe, you know, there'll be some silver lining in in that uh in terms of players developing. Um I mean, I think we could talk about that a lot. Let's let's uh, move on and talk about the Browns matchup. Uh, the whole Browns game yesterday. <clears throat> my, you know, my sense is not not that different than it was for the whole year. It it just it you know, Buffalo's kicker missed two field goals that he normally makes. Uh, I shouldn't say that. He 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 missed two field goals uh, beyond fifty yards. He's normally deadly inside fifty, but for some reason, just outside of fifty, he's missed like six in a row. Um, so it was like, they just couldn't keep it together. Um, and, and more or less, I'm sure are kicking themselves about losing that game. Cleveland, I feel like, you know, they're, they're way below what the expectations were for them at the beginning of the year. But since they bottomed out so bad, everybody wants to talk about now how they're playing better and so on. Um, Perch, I'm not really convinced that Cleveland is playing football on the same level that the Steelers are right now. I mean, am I crazy to think that that the Steelers are a far better team right now? Is that an illusion? No, I mean, obviously the record and, and the way that they've played and how they've matched up against teams. I mean, other than getting blown out week one, the Steelers have played the best teams in the NFL 
the two teams on Monday Night Football as we, we record this podcast are two of the best teams in the NFC, and the Steelers, uh, quite honestly, should have beat them both. You know, they, they had Correct. Baltimore, and they should have won that game. I mean, if, you know, if the if the balls bounce the right way, we're not looking at an eight and one Steelers team right now instead of five and four. I mean, it, it's not a not a stretch. I mean, it's a couple of plays and a couple of games, and that's without Ben and after losing Antonio Brown and after losing Le'Veon Bell, and it's just that's 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 a a big you know haul there. But I mean, if you look at Cleveland, they got so much talent. The defense. I mean, the defensive line is pretty nasty still. They've got Vernon. They've got Miles. Ogajobi's a good interior guy. Sheldon Richardson has been around a long, long time, and you know he's he's going to make plays. Mac Wilson's been pretty good for those guys. Denzel Ward's a real good young corner. Um, yeah, I don't think their safety plays that good, and Greedy Williams is still pretty yeah, good. Side, pretty good so. Yeah, Schobert's a good player too. Makes a lot of tackles for those guys. So I mean, they got a lot of good players in that defense. Their offensive line's a wreck. Uh, they got two good running backs now that uh, Kareem Hunt's starting to, I think he's back and starting to get some carries, and Nick Chubb's been really good. Baker Mayfield's still a one-read guy and uh, too fucking cocky for his own good and can be forced into some mistakes, and I think that's that's a huge problem. You, you couple a shaky pass protection on the offensive line, you guys like Chris Hubbard and Cush and Treader, and they, they've got a lot of guys that aren't that great. Uh, it, trouble with the left tackle spot, too. Um You've got a young quarterback who's still a little bit shaky. You get get those guys behind, uh, jump on the lead on them early, and and things go pretty bad uh, for that offense. That, that offense has not done nearly what what it should. And I still think that defense is, is really good though. So, you know, on paper it's a pretty close matchup, and it's going to come down to turnovers and who can establish themselves and get that early lead. I mean, FC. I, you know, I like that Cleveland, the talent. The names are big, but I'm not sure they really produced. The, the wide receivers haven't really produced. And, and I mean, the defense, they're nice pass rushers there, but they can't, they can't stop the run against anybody, really. You know, I, I'm just wondering, like I said, is it the hype that we're buying into? A lot of it is hype, and I don't want to use the word self-promotion. If you didn't know better, would you ever know that Jarvis Landry is a 465 guy? Four six five guy, thirty two inch vertical. He's like a, a good tight end athletically. Yeah, well, I I, I, I know that because phenomenal well, hands. Phenomenal. <laughs> well, I know that because hands. I drafted him in the Steelers or in, in our board draft, and then he ran a four six five after that, and I was like, great, I just drafted a tight end. Anyway, sorry, go and, ahead. And um, they really missed David Njoku being able to attack the middle seam of the defense. Um, they are a lunch pail bunch on the offensive line. Miles Garrett, one of the five most elite pass rushers in the NFL. Don't let anybody lie to you. He can rush inside, outside. He's going to give Villanueva and Filer. He's going to be problems. He's phenomenal. The things I know about Sheldon Richardson is he can be broke mentally and he can be broke physically. He, if, if, if it's going well for him, he's going to be a double-barrel motherfucker. You come out, he gets punched in the mouth, he's done. He was he, Mike Zimmer almost fucking killed him in Minnesota. And, I mean, he didn't want no parts of it. He just – great players like that don't walk from that many teams. You don't go through Seattle. You don't go through Minnesota. You don't go through the Jets. There, there, there's, some, there's something more to it. And I don't want to call him a coach killer, but quality coaches, they just don't want to have no fucking parts of them. 
the biggest problem the Cleveland Browns is Freddie Hitchens is in way over his head. If Greg Williams was the coach of that team, I really believe they're a four to five win team right now, at worst. Because Baker ass would have been <laughs> reeled in real quick. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I feel like if, imagine if the Steelers fan base would do with Freddie Kitchens the way Freddie Kitchens has handled this season so far. Uh, I think they would have uh, already, if, you know, uh, publicly flogged him. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Um, cool. So, so personally, in this, this game's matchup, you know, with where the Steelers are at offensively, supposedly James Conner is going to be ready to go. If Foster looks like is going to return. Um, uh, after seeing last year's matchups against Cleveland, I, I suspect the Steelers are going to try to run it right at Miles Garrett. Um, I'm I'm wondering if you see it as I do. Yeah, I think they have to, especially road game. You know, they're going to want to go up there and, and have some long clock killing drives and, and protect their quarterback on the road. You know, um, and and you know we talked about that coming into the season when when Cleveland won the Super Bowl. You know, before the games were played. That uh, boy, you know, I think that a good the team's going to be able to run on these guys. You know, they haven't really done much to address the, the major issues they had last year at, at defending the run. The issue is uh, the Steelers' run game kind of sucks. You know, uh, yeah. It, I kind of like going into this last week. All right, you got one guy coming off a concussion, another guy with a with a shoulder injury. There's no way in the world you're going to make either of those guys play two games in four days. So I, I kind of thought that's what we'd see with Ramon Foster and then James Conner, that they would uh, get held out for the NFC game against uh, the Rams and try and win. And then, you know, if, if not, or even if you did, you come back on Thursday and you're full bore and you've got to get this game. You know, you're fighting for playoff positioning and, and a wild card. And these AFC games mean a lot, especially against Cleveland being in the division. And uh, if you lose to them, they're only one game behind you. If you win, you pretty much bury their season and, and pick up another win. But yeah, that's the big issue is can the Steelers go and force their will in the run game on anybody? Because we really haven't seen it this year yet. No, although I will say this, Perch, like the Steelers, the last two, I'll even say maybe three years, have racked up a lot of run game uh, success against teams that were pretty poor against the run. Um, they, they, pretty, they haven't really had a strong, they have had one strong rush game in the last couple of years that I can think of against a good run defense team. And that was uh, Samuels against new England last year. So, so it feels like, you know, the recipe for, to get the run game well is to play against a team that doesn't play the run very well. Um, Browns are before going into this weekend's action, they were 21st uh, against the run. It just feels like a recipe for running the football uh, if, with some success, especially with Connor coming back. Um, well, that's the thing. I mean, to me, just real quick, this, it, it, James Conner's got to be back and, and be the guy. I mean, I know you guys like Jalen Samuels a lot. I like him situationally. I like him as a pass receiver. I like him as a third down guy. I don't think he's got the vision to be an every down back. I think he misses too many holes. He's not super explosive. He's he's okay. He's an okay backup back. I think he's a good third down guy or a good, you know, out of the backfield guy. Hey, Roy. Um, but, yeah. You know, and the, the Brooks James guy, you know, I, he just looks like a fumbler to me. He's small, he's quick. Uh, you know, you need a guy like James Conner. This is a James Conner kind of game. He's got to be healthy and got to be able to go. If he's not, I think they're going to struggle to run. Yeah, I think so too, because FC, as much as we've appreciated uh, Matt Feeler's play and 
rarely talk about Villanueva because he's just kind of a solid contributor there. Um, I don't think you want to see the Browns pass rushers uh, going after Mason Rudolph with his broken clock um, until right. they've had a chance. They've had a chance to wear them down the run game. I'm not scared of Olivier Vernon. I'm, I'm, I'm really not. Um, I'm just not. I might be shocked. I think that I should contact the old Roonster and Jerry Jones because I think that I can solve their run game in five minutes. <laughs> I really can. I, I honestly believe it. It's very simple. First thing, the two tight ends thing is done. I put a fullback in. The pulling, it's done. I'm blocking big on big, and I'm not pulling nobody. And I'm basically moving the line of scrimmage and going straight ahead. I'm not going east-west. The outside zone is gone. I'm running the ball between the tackles, and I'm running downhill behind a fullback. Um, And I know that you're both sitting here. The tight end position in three years is going to be done completely. It's going to be pretty much gone from the NFL. There's not an effective NFL tight end. Oh, how's George Kittle doing today? Well, uh, I haven't st- I haven't started watching tonight's game yet, but I know he's this? hurt let's, as hell. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> talk about the Super Bowl champions recently. Let's talk about the New England Patriots. Yeah. Mm. Let's talk about you know how the Rams are, are uh, last year in the Super Bowl with with, with you know the two tight ends and the three. Oh, that's right. They got smacked. What about Atlanta? Oh, that's right. They got smacked. Um, teams that have success, teams that successfully run the ball in the NFL, especially this year. They do it behind a fullback. Minnesota Vikings. Look at New England. Just gone to shit since they lost their fullback. It's funny. It's hilarious. I'm nuts. Aaron Jones averages, I think, four and a half yards a carry with a fullback, and I think he's under two and a half without. Yeah, but I guess, so, okay. You want, to, you want to see quality run games in the NFL? I'll show you teams that play big boy football. Okay, but the I want to keep... Wait, I'm but telling you this right now. Everyone, tight end is dead. It's a dead position. It's dead in college, so it's going to be dead in the pros. Yeah, I get that it's dead in college, and I'm not disagreeing with you exactly, but I just wonder, you know, with an offense that's already completely, you know, stuck in the mud most of the time, you start bringing in another player that is not a, you know, effective uh, weapon in the pass game. I just feel like, oh, you know, you're... You go fullback, halfback, three wide receivers. Remove the tight end. From the game, I got. I still got three fast skill position players. Yeah, to me, I mean, I mean the answer to, me is, to this whole conundrum, and I, I'm just kind of thinking that I've something I've thought in my head a lot is, man, if they could teach Jalen Samuels to be a lead blocker, you know, at that point, then you have the two guys in the backfield. You could spread them both wide. Now you've got you know a five wide receiver sure. look. You could you could keep one in, and you know because they're both so so good at. at you know, being receivers and, and, and actually being weapons, you're not going to teach Rosie Nix to be able to run and catch like you can with Jalen Samuels. But Samuels is a big and strong enough guy. You'd think he'd be able to to do at least something. It's not an every down fullback, but just to be, you know, a situational lead block fullback. you you think they'd That's be able course. to find a way to work that in. Yeah. I mean, hell, we, they talked about at the beginning of the season and preseason about how they were going to incorporate these two, and they had whole package, you know, for the pony backfield. And they both I mean, haven't been healthy. I mean, they they haven't been healthy, which is you know really 
doesn't help. But even early the first week when they had an opportunity to showcase this stuff, they couldn't even figure out how to give it to Jalen Samuels, like on a jet sweep or something like they, they were so unimaginative with getting them both on the field. It was like, yeah, both guys are on the field, but they're not really working for each other the way that they might be. By the way, Patrick Morris. What about Patrick Morris? Yeah. You'd be my fullback, my situational fullback. Oh, okay. I got you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going big. Yeah, you're going real big. with Daniel McCullers. Well, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not I mean, no, no, no. We laugh, but I mean, my my boy is a very good athlete as well. I mean, I bet you that he could stay with Rosie Nix in the 40. I bet you he definitely can stay with him in the 10. You know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just saying, sometimes being imaginative in the run game, I agree with it. But other times, you got to line up and you got to beat somebody up in front of you. And the Steelers, that is the Steelers' best chance of running the football successfully, especially with Connor, who I agree has far better vision than Samuel. And I do not believe that Samuel is a feature back. I believe he is in seven to eight touch, like maybe the run game is a change of pace guy and a third down back. And I think he could be very good at that. I don't know if Connor necessarily is ever going to be, you know, what we think of. But I have no problems using James Connor in a Jerome Bettis type way where we go fullback on backer and let's run downhill. And I think that's just I'm with, I'm with with Big Al and with Thieler and with Foster and even the Casher. The Casher's been a disappointment. I think you could run the ball downhill. Oh. Okay, but just a quick follow up, FC. It felt like yesterday the main success they had running the football was with that that double uh, counter where the guard pulls and the tight end trails behind them and they one kicks out they one run, direction. Absolutely, it's amazing what you can do when you have two guards that can pull. When you because Thieler has the ability to pull and lead plays better than Ramon Foster. Ramon Foster just is too heavy. He's too big to be able to get out there and get into, you know, to, to, to outside the tackle box to lead that run play. You have more options with the run game, but at the end of the day, I just I think that you gain more with Roman Foster and and pass pro, and you definitely gain with them. You know, whenever you add Feeler in the right tackle, because I think that Chuck's played well. It's just he was a step down at right tackle, and I think that Ramon Foster might be as good at this point as Feeler is at left guard. I think Feeler down the line could probably be a better guard than than Ramon Foster. But the goal of getting your best five is Feeler at right tackle and Foster at left guard. Yeah, that makes sense. Perch, you were trying to get a word in edgewise. What were you saying? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's my fault. Another, if I got to see another third and one shotgun snap, back and for a lot. We're going to fucking scream. What about a throw to Put fucking McCullers. Edmonton on fourth and one? Here's what I want to see. McCullers under center, quarterback snake. Get the fucking I'll, six I'm all for it. It's, it's physics. <laughs> He's going to fall forward. <laughs> you know what I mean? If a tree falls, is it a first down? Hey, <laughs> he'd be good for fourth and three, probably. <laughs> it's true. Hey, We're by the way, cut out of here. Yeah, we sure are. Hey, make it quick, uh, FC. What'd you make of that decision of Mike Tollins to go for it on a? On I don't know how he wears pants with balls that big. Perch, were you a fan or were you against it right up until it worked? I've been calling for shit like that for a long time because how many times have we seen us lose a game late where? You know, going back even further, the same thing again this week that happened the week before that, you know, we've got a lead late in the game and it's three runs right right into the line. And you know what? Sometimes you got to take some chances, whether it's throwing the ball in those situations or going for it on fourth down. It had to happen. It happened, and they grilled off an eight-minute drive. It was perfect. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I, I'm in favor of it. I just I can't believe it's the same coach who punted twice from the opponent side of the field with short, you know, fourth and short 
So that's the thing. It's like, if you're going to take a risk, why not take it then early in the game where you have a chance to recover from it? That's going to be my take on it. I'm always in favor of uh, more going forward on fourth down. All right. Well, on that note, on this uh, semi-abbreviated version of the podcast with a short week, short week for us too, uh, let's go on to our uh, Around the League pick segment brought to us by... A bunch of corrupt NFL referees, Chico's bail bonds, and sports and shit. <laughs> uh, I, have a, I have a conspiracy theory for you, uh, Perch, and that is that since the Steelers, since Ben Roethlisberger is now playing for the Steelers, the league is now going to do a bunch of calls. Close calls are all going to be on the Steelers' favor for about a year. What do you think? Well, I mean, that's what I was thinking early in that game. We got a couple of close calls, and I'm like, well, there's only one game on at 4:30, and then uh, yeah, they got to keep this one close. They don't want the Steelers getting blown out. They're going to do everything they can to keep it close. So. I've always yeah. felt that way, man. Especially these primetime games, they don't want any blowouts. They're going to do everything they can to keep it competitive. Yeah. So, all right, that's that's it for a conspiracy corner. Now let's go just quick talk about a couple of games. Uh, FC. Let's talk about um, Houston visiting Baltimore. Um, you know, Houston is a little bit like how I felt about Dallas last week. I'm I'm not at all sure that Houston is for real, but their quarterback makes a lot of plays. You know, they seem to be winning more games than they're losing. Do you see them with any chance to go into Baltimore and cover four points? Baltimore is a four point favorite against the Texans. They have a chance to. Yes. Will they? Probably not because of the weather. And I understand both teams have to plan it. I'm not the biggest believer. And Lamar Jackson, yeah. Uh, I'll come out and and say it. Um, but he was 12-14. He did have a perfect quarterback rating, and he did run the ball all, all over the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm not taking anything away from the Bengals. I think the Texans' speed outside could make this very interesting. And Lamar Jackson, sooner or later, he's going to run into one of these three, four outside linebackers, and it ain't going to be pretty. But I'll still take the Ravens, and I'll fucking lay the four. <laughs> How about you, Perch? Yeah, oh, man, I want to take the Texans in this one. I think if it was in Houston, I would take them. Um, I'll take them for the sake of gambling. Um, I think Baltimore wins a close game. I'm going to say Baltimore, uh, say 26-24. Uh, but if I had to pick, you know, I just think if I had to pick one quarterback to make plays in the passing game, you know. Deshaun Watson might be able to get it done. That's just a tough place to play. And ever since the Ravens picked up Marcus Peters um, and uh, Jimmy Smith's back, their secondary is a lot better than what we've seen earlier in the year. So I'm going to go ahead and and take the Ravens in that one. Uh, Yeah, I mean, by the way, uh, Lamar Jackson did something this weekend. Uh, He is only the second quarterback with multiple perfect ratings in a single regular season. How about that? You know who the other one was, I assume. Benjamin Todd Brothersberger. Yes, indeed. The guy he couldn't correctly pronounce when he said, whoever is going to be playing quarterback for the Steelers next year, it's Benjamin Todd Brothersberger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Benjamin, as it reminded me, uh, there was something during the game yesterday where they referred to an athletic uh, quarterback play. Oh, it was in last night's uh, Sunday Night Football game where Dak, Dak Prescott was on the run and he, he made a throw uh, with accuracy and you know, they said uh, something you might see uh, akin to something you you might see Aaron Rodgers or some of the other quarterbacks in the league do. And I was thinking exactly what you just said. I think you mispronounced Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I, I guess I will. I guess I will. Uh, boy, 
I will take Baltimore and give it the points. I, I have a, at some point, maybe not this week, but at some point, Baltimore's due for a little bit more of a test than they got from the Bengals. Um, man, the Bengals are bad. I, I have a feeling the Bengals are have the inside track right now for the overall uh, number one pick, which is not a place you really want to be with you know two months to go in the season. Um, let's go to your New England Patriots. Visiting the Philadelphia Eagles, the Patriots are a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. Perch, since I know what you're going to say, you, I'll start with you. Pass by 17. Belichick's had a week to prepare. They're dead. <laughs> They're dead. <laughs> FC, get away. Here. I will also take the Eagles. Um, I don't know about dead, but uh, they're going to get fucked up. Nah, I don't know if it, even if that's yeah. true. But I expect that uh, New England will be ever efficient and probably win late twenty seven thirteen. I see. I don't, I don't think New England is really that good. Like for instance, I think having seen them both a lot, pretty much seen every game they had this year, I, I think the Forty Nine ers are better than New England right now. And it's like we, it's hard to get over the Tom Brady thing because Brady can win games that he probably really ought not to. Uh, but uh, I don't think New England is necessarily as good as they were, just the teams just forget how to play football against them. I feel like they're just so intimidated. It's like Tiger Woods back in the peak Tiger era where the other golfers who were normally really good golfers would just get in the, you know, when it got close and it got down the stretch of playing against Tiger, they would just uh, make all kinds of unforced errors that were atypical. Um, so I feel like that'll probably happen in Philly too. I'll, I guess I'll take New England and give the three and a half. One last one, Kansas City is a three and a half point favorite over the Chargers in Mexico City. Um, you know, they didn't really look the Kansas City Chiefs did not really look uh like world beaters. Chargers, I can't decide if they're if they're totally dead uh and are never gonna come back this year, or if they're just getting ready for their, you know, end of the season futile run. But I think this could be a close and entertaining game for that reason. Both those two reasons. Uh Perch, what about you? No, I think the Chargers are dead. I think Rivers is uh, staring down the uh, the last uh, seven games of his career because I don't think he wants to move to L.A. next year or when when they're officially in that stadium. And uh, I think his contract's up, and I, I just I think all that stuff's going to get blown up here pretty quick. The Chiefs are going to be desperate, and Mahomes is Mahomes. I mean, he's going to find ways to score thirty some points a game. That defense can just hold somebody in the high twenties. He's going to win the game. So. Yeah, give me uh, give me the Chiefs, and I'll I'll throw away the points. Uh, FC. My question is: Will Fat Andy attempt to take a knee at the one to see if Patrick Mahomes can throw the ball ninety nine yards through the <laughs> high elevation of Mexico City? Um, <laughs> man, I watched that Chiefs game, and I was gonna bet it. And I was a little bit late. I'll tell that story next week. It's, this is a humdinger. We, it's, since we're limited on time, um, I'll take the Chiefs. I think they're going <laughs> to win by more than two touchdowns. Yeah, I just the Chargers. Every time you tell you think that they're dead, they just pretend to be a good football team for like a month. So that's the only reason I say I think it might be a close game. That and the fact that there are probably more Chargers fans in Mexico City than there are in Los Angeles. So it's like it's the closest mm-hmm. thing they have to a home game. Uh, this year. <laughs> so we'll go with that. Gentlemen, uh, that'll about do it for our Around the League pick segment. Uh, and let's go to our five-star matchup with our suddenly red-hot Pittsburgh Steelers who are making the tour of Ohio. They're starting. Their first tour date is Thursday night 
uh, in the Mistake by the Lake. Is it Excel Energy Stadium? Or they renamed it five times since then. I don't even know what it's called anymore. Um, First Energy. There you go. Um, it's the place where uh, you know the, their quarterback uh, vacuums the whole thing, takes care of it. Apparently, Factory um, of Sadness. The Factory the of factory Sadness. Factory. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay. Well, uh, at any rate, Steelers take on the Browns uh, Thursday night. Short week of football perch. How do you see this breaking down? I just don't think Baker, Baker Mayfield is ready for the Steelers defense. Uh, you know, I don't have great faith in the Steelers offense to light the scoreboard either, but I think our defense is that good right now. Uh, with James Conner coming back, I think he'll do enough in the run game. Uh, I think it's going to be low scoring. I'm going to say Steelers will give me something dumb, like 18 to 15 Steelers win. Yeah, that is, again, another low scoring pick from Perch FC. What do you have to say? The Steelers rush for more yards. Then they pass for in this game. They win the game 20 to 9. Uh, I'm going to say the Steelers give up their third safety in a row. <laughs> Cleveland will luck out and get a touchdown. Um, I expect a heavy dose of the run game. Um, I don't, I, I don't think we're going to see too much wildcat or anything. I think you're going to see straight ahead old school Steelers football. Unfortunately, they're not going to have a fullback in the game. It's going to be out of two tight ends. And Vance McDonald and Nick Vanette have to do a far better job than they have done so far this season run blocking. Yeah, I just, I, uh, I just think you have to run it. You know, Miles Garrett's going to come blazing hair on fire towards a quarterback pretty much on every play. That's his shtick. He plays the run on the way to the quarterback. And I think he's so fast and so, you know, his penetration off the line is so quick that the only way to really stop that or you know counter it is to try to run right in that gap and you got to you know somehow the running back has to understand that his job is to get into that gap before Miles Garrett can correct course and if you can do that enough times early in the game a it slows down the pass rush and b it gives the offensive line a chance to beat down the defenders i mean that's just kind of like you know maybe not football 101 but it's definitely football 201 it's like a second the second year course when you got fast Long, lean, you know, hard to stop pass rushers. You you have to be able to run it against them, and the Steelers have got to be able to get the run game going. I feel like that's the missing ingredient, the piece that could make everything better uh, if they can get some run game working. They're so committed to running it anyway uh, to protect their young quarterback that they got to have some success doing that in order to turn it into points. I also think it'll be fairly low scoring, but I, I think the real mismatch in this game is the Cleveland Browns offense against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Right now, um, they're they're not a close matchup. Um, so I like the Steelers twenty three thirteen in this game, um, and get things started off on a good note by winning in Cleveland on our tour of Ohio. Guys, last word, gentlemen. Um, I'll throw it to UFC. Um, ladies and gentlemen that are listening to the podcast, find out where the water main line in your home is. And I will continue my final word next week. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Tell me. Oh, boy. All right. I'll be real quick about it. My fucking idiot fucking dis- – I have a relative. I'm, it's not direct relative. They calls me and they say, I got a leaking toilet. This fucking idiot busted out his water line 
on his toilet. And he had literally three and a half feet of water inside his bathroom. <laughs> and he didn't know where his water fucking main line to his house was. So 25 minutes after sludging around, finding it, having five feet of water. Oh, this is Sunday morning for the Steelers game. And, uh, yeah, I shut off the water main line and I uh, gave him the phone number for a disaster place and took my fat ass home. So. <laughs> you were like <laughs> FC Fox out this, Steelers Sunday. <laughs> this is my no yeah. shoes Saturday and Sunday, motherfucker. Yes, I remember the no shoes weekend for FC. <laughs> yes, poor, poor, poor bastard. Uh, Perch, how about you for your last word? Although that's good advice, FC. Thank you. Um, I'll, I'll give you one positive note and one uh, not so positive note. Matt Filer, I just don't think we gave him enough credit. I mean, Marcus Gilbert went down last year, and Matt Filer was pretty much an unknown commodity and played outstanding, I think, overall at right tackle. We know how hard it is to switch from the right side to the left side. We know how hard it is to go from right tackle to left guard, and he was able to do that pretty well against one of the best defensive players in the history of the NFL this week. Right, so just uh, I, I don't think we gave him quite enough credit in general uh, for the last year and a half of how good he's been from coming out of nowhere. The Steelers really did a good job of picking somebody up off the scrap heap and turning into a good starter. My negative that I'll, I'll throw out there: I understand the game was on Fox and Fox runs the NFC games, but holy fuck, was Chris Myers? Did he have his entire paycheck on on the Rams, or was it me? Every call, he he sounded like a Rams fan in the booth screaming. At the, it sounded like the opposite of me yelling at my TV uh, at the referees. But uh, best tweet I saw on it. I'm going to read this to you verbatim because I laughed. Chris Myers and his hair-dyed, Steeler-hating ass can eat a bag of dicks. Hashtag Chris Myers dyes his hair, and he sucks. And that just sums up my thoughts on listening to that game. I think everybody else who listened to that game was a Steelers fan felt exactly like that guy did. So I had to repeat that for you. See, can I, you know, I just like to say, if he had just come out at the beginning of the game and said, you know, I live in LA, this is my team. And so if I'm going to get a little partisan, you'll have to forgive me. Like it, you just, all you had to do is just like wear it, own it. It would have been fun actually to have a fan. I think sometimes the announcing teams for these games are so stale. Like they just, I, I think would rather have, instead of two guys in suits, I would rather have like football fans in the booth talking football, you know, like I, I get to the feeling that like, you know, the three of us could, could uh, announce any NFL game and make it a hell of a lot more entertaining than guys that are getting paid millions of dollars. Like we might piss the advertisers off, but in terms of the people actually watching the games, I think, I feel like sometimes they're just not honest and sincere mm -hmm. enough about whatever it is that they're into, you know, anyway, listen, gentlemen, thank you for a great show. And, uh, uh, let us talk next week. Oh, I didn't give my final word. My, here's my final word. My final word is it's the little things, Steelers, you know, ball security, you know, one, one more better execution, one, one player who executes a little better in the run game, you know, a quarterback who gets rid of the ball a little sooner, receivers that make some plays for their young quarterback, even if the ball is not perfectly delivered. Um, you know, it's just, it's just little things right now. And that's the difference between being good and on a nice roll against some, you know, uh, uh, different, different kinds of opponents, a nice stretch here for the Steelers. But that's the difference between where they are now and where they could be, which is so much higher. So patience on our part while they get it worked out. And, you know, they're restoring some faith in humanity with their performance this year. Let's talk next week. 
after a gigantic Steelers victory, a shut them the fuck up victory in Cleveland. Uh, thanks to Steel Perch, FC, uh, Steel Fury, Lewis Lip Service, everyone at SteelFury.com. I'm your host, Brad Chadaban, saying, go get them, Steelers. Fun times in Cleveland again. Still Cleveland. Come on down to Cleveland Town, everyone. Under construction since 1868. See our river that catches on fire. It's so polluted that all our fish have AIDS. We see the sun almost three times a year. This guy has at least two DUIs. The flats look like a Scooby-Doo ghost town. Don't slow down in East Cleveland or you'll die. Our economy's based on LeBron James. Buy a house for the price of a VCR. Our main export is crippling depression. We're so retarded that we think this is art. It could be worse though, at least we're not Detroit. We're, we're not, not Detroit. Detroit. Steelers.